Hello and welcome to the Huntsman World Senior Games Active Life. My name is Kyle Case and I'll be your host on this amazing journey as we attempt to help you get the most out of your life. Joining me in the studio today is my co-pilot, Jeff Harding. Jeff, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Kyle. How are you? Uh, I'm, I'm doing well. I really am. We're in a little different studio today, so we have a little different perspective, but we're doing well. Yeah, things are going great. Yeah. So here's the thing, Jeff. Yes. Oftentimes on this show, and we've been doing the show for a while now. Yes, we have. Oftentimes when we talk about diet or healthy eating, we talk about the things that we're supposed to eliminate from our right. diet. the stuff we should avoid. Yeah, we, we need to cut out the sugar. Uh, if you listened last week, you know, we need to cut out the diet cola or the diet soda. Right. Um, it's, it's just, it's, it's kind of a trend that we have. Dealing on, uh, weighing on the negative, yeah. <laughs> yeah, get, getting rid of the stuff, right? But today I want to talk about uh, something that maybe we should be adding to well, our diet. great. At least this is according to an article that I found on Insider Online Magazine. Um, but yeah, let's talk about something we should add. I like that. What should we add? Here's the thing. It seems that a new study suggests that olive oil could be integral to the Mediterranean diet's brilliance. Ah. Now, you know what the Mediterranean diet is. Well, it's one that they, they're eating the food they would eat in the Mediterranean. <laughs> right. Well, that's why they call it the Mediterranean right, right. diet, right? So basically, um, the Mediterranean diet, it's, it's high in fresh fruits and vegetables. Uh-huh. And then it's low in red meat and sugar. Those are the, the basic principles of the Mediterranean diet. And the diet, which incidentally, the U.S. News and World Report ranked as the best diet of 2019, uh-huh. it's been linked to good health and longer lives. But, but that's kind of based on the olive oil then, is it? Well, that's what they're finding. According to new research by the University of Minnesota Medical School, Olive oil alone, which is a staple part of the Mediterranean diet, uh-huh. has properties that promote longevity and decrease the risk of age-related disease like diabetes and heart disease. Wow. Dr. Doug Mashek is the lead researcher, and he said after studying how olive oil affected human cells in Petri dishes, it appears, this is what they found, that the fats in olive oil activate cell pathways in the body that are linked to longer lifespans. Wow. Isn't that cool? That is. So he says, we found that the way that this fat works is it first has to get stored in microscopic things that they call lipid droplets, which is how our cells store the fat. And then when the fat is broken down during exercise or fasting, for example, he says it's a, that's a signaling and that's when the beneficial effects are realized at the cellular level. Oh, wow. Now, this isn't, go. this isn't the first time that the Mediterranean diet has been found to be beneficial mm-hmm. for long-term health. Uh, like I said, a number of studies have found that it's good for us. The concept of the Mediterranean diet comes from, as you said, Jeff, the countries that border the Mediterranean Sea, where people historically ate mainly vegetables, oily fish, nuts, healthy fats. The Harvard School of Public Health and a think tank that they worked with called Old Ways created a diet that's based on the general eating principles of these places. Uh, that's according to U.S. News. And, and, and again, that's what we call the Mediterranean, Mediterranean diet. diet. Mm-hmm. Uh, unlike a highly restrictive diet, like a, a keto diet plan or the Atkins plan, those are, those are somewhat restrictive. Uh-huh. The Mediterranean diet allows people to eat a wide variety of foods in moderation. Always moderation. We, we talk about that a lot on the show, right? In right. moderation. Uh, in fact, they say that the diet is safe. For most people, including children and older people, it doesn't matter. It's good for everybody. And uh, once again, they're they're studying and finding and and maybe showing that olive oil just might be the thing 
that does the trick in that diet. So consider incorporating some olive oil so, into your diet. So when I when I cook my chicken or my meat using olive oil, and then I put the spices on, then I'm actually kind of being a little bit of the Mediterranean diet. I believe that that is true. I, there, wow. There, there may knew? be something to do with the heat that I'm not 100% sure uh-huh. about. Um, really what they recommend is that you drizzle it over your salad uh, you know, eat it with your tomatoes. Yeah, or not maybe as a, happen. Maybe as a topping <laughs> for your bread. You know, you go into a really fancy Italian restaurant and they put a little plate of olive oil out with some balsamic vinaigrette and you put that on your bread. Have you ever done that? No. Okay, well, that's something that they do instead of butter in, in some places. Um, but but I don't know. I mean, I, that's that's worth looking into. I'll yeah. see if I can find that out because uh, if you're cooking your, your food in olive oil, it seems like there might be some benefits there too. All right. Anyway... It's just something to think about, It is right? something to think about. Something certainly. to think about. Yeah. Today's guest, Jeff, is Dr. Deborah Cruz. Dr. Debbie is what one might call a performance expert. Yes, she, she is. She has a PhD from Arizona State University. She's been a professor at the University of North Carolina, Greensboro. And on top of that, she holds a couple of patents, all in the area of performance optimization. Welcome to the show, Dr. Debbie. Thanks so much. I appreciate you having me on. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, well, we're excited to get to know you and to, to learn some of the uh, expertise that you have to share with us about the science of performance optimization. Let, let me ask you this, Dr. Debbie, before we get too far into it. How did you decide that that was going to be an area of expertise for you? Well, probably from playing the game of golf. And <laughs> when you play the game of golf or I worked with a lot of archers. You do archery or whatever sport it is. You you quickly find how important the, the mental side of performance training is. And I had the good fortune of working with a professor at Arizona State University, Dr. Dan Landers, who, who did psychophysiology, so not just sports psychology. And he studied attention by looking at the brain and the heart. And so I did, too, and it was I've been doing it ever since, 1980s, mid-80s. Wow. So all, all thanks to uh, uh, a, a golf game that maybe was phenomenal yeah. but needed to be a little bit better. Right. <laughs> well, in case Kyle and I, in full disclosure, should share our golf experience. We were in a golf tournament about 14 years ago, and we took last place, and we won tennis rackets. Yeah, they they <laughs> they suggested that maybe golf was not our sport. <laughs> And uh, neither of us have nice played. Neither it. of us have played much since then, and that's been a while back. So, um, anyway, maybe, maybe you had a little better luck with your golf. So, so today, <laughs> today, Doctor Debbie, we want to talk a little bit about the science behind performance optimization. And you say you've been studying yeah. that for a while, but what what have you learned? What can you tell us that will help us out when we're trying um, to optimize our performance? Well. Probably the first most important thing is just that performance is performance. So it really doesn't matter what we found when we looked at the brain, what the arena is. So we actually started, uh, or Dan did, started testing um, gun shooters in uh, at University of um, Pennsylvania, at Penn State, I'm sorry. And um, then uh, when he came to Arizona State, he went to archery, where I was where I joined, and then I took it to golf, and then we took it a couple other places. And when when you look in the brain, the state or the measures we're getting are the same when they're performing optimally. Um, and 
it was fascinating because I guess, you know, when you think about it, the zone is the zone. It doesn't matter what the performance is. So once we started identifying those um, brain patterns, then the next step is, well, can we train it? And so then we would do a couple studies and attempt to train it. And, and the answer is, yes, you can. So, so you're saying, like you said, the zone is the zone regardless of the sport, because you've kind of mentioned some that tend to be uh, at least accepted that they're, they're pretty um, mentally based. You know, you have to really focus in on, on right. your golf. You really have to be paying attention if you're shooting targets with a, a rifle or, or if you're shooting archery. Those are, those are games where, or sports where it feels like you, you have to stop and concentrate and make it happen. Mm-hmm. In your research, did you find that something that's a, a little more active and fluid, like a basketball game or a soccer match or a mm-hmm. hockey match, is that the same thing as well, or has your research gone into those areas? Yes, uh, the research has gone in those areas, and yes, it is the same. Um, it, the reason we studied those in the beginning is because people stand real still, and you can get the measures. <laughs> but now, the equipment, the equipment and technology is so good that you can get measures uh, at other times as well. So any of the sports, or it could be, you know, in the corporate world, if you have to go into a meeting or do a presentation, wow. all of that would be the same, um, any performance. And it could extend, of course, musicians and stage performers, etc. But um, the state is a beautiful state, and the brain, it's very balanced. I I think that's fascinating to me because on the surface it, it does make some sense, but that's still surprising to mm-hmm. me that regardless of the act that you're engaged in, whether it's giving right. giving a presentation and in, in front of a you know a, a business class or you're you know trying to throw a pass in the middle of a football game, um, your brain it's still engaged and it's active and you're trying to be optimized and you need to get, as you said, in the zone. Now you mentioned the zone. What is the zone? (laughs) Yeah. When you ask performers, you know, what is the zone? It's that nice, um, easy, don't have to work hard at it. Uh, everything seems to flow state when oftentimes time slows down and, you have your automatic filters built in. We call it a state of heightened sensory awareness. So you only are paying attention to what's important. And, you know, I taught at college for years. I used to teach the students that you couldn't put yourself into the zone that, you know, you got ready and prepared. And if you it showed up today, you'd ride it <laughs> as long as you can and hope it comes back. But, but I don't think that anymore. You found um, that you can actually we, put yourself in the zone. Yes, and where that came from actually is the adventure and extreme sport athletes because because they do it all the time. Because if they don't get themselves in the zone, they're probably going to die. It's very fatal. Yes, Yes. but, you know, even without the brain patterns, we figured out from reading them over the years, there's what you think and there's how you think about what you think. And so, wow. you know, a lot of times we we have our cues, our triggers, our our nice place to go in our mind to get ourselves in a good place. So that's what you think. But then there's a dial behind it, you know, so you could turn up or down the intensity of, or the clarity or of that focus. And 
that seems to be equally, if not more important than what you think. And so that's probably a a first step to getting into the zone is running that dial. And understanding that it's there, right? Correct. That's exactly right. So how yep. do how do you put yourself there? Are there is is it a, a question of exercises? Is it a question of repeating a mantra over and over? Is it is there a physical component to it? How do you get there? How, we all want to we all want to perform at our optimized level. We want to know, Doctor Debbie, yes. how do we get there? Well, the researchers um, suggest that there's four stages to the zone. So the first stage, which um, sounds a little off, but it's correct, is either unrest or agitation. It's kind of when you go into that, you got that performance in front of you, your speech oh. or your your drive, and, and you, have, you feel a little bit of the, the butterflies or the anxiety, but it's activation is really what it is. And that's actually the first stage. It could be the adrenaline rush if you're an extreme sport athlete, but what the next level is, is you take that activation and you learn to focus it. So what's right in front of me? What's the first two lines of my speech? What's the performance? I, you know, you're on the free throw line. You're ready to shoot. You know exactly what you're doing, but you channel all that activity into focus. focus. Okay. And then the third stage is the zone when you um, are in the performance and it's going smoothly. Um probably very well if you're in the zone. And then the final stage is really an interesting one. Um, it's called recovery, but it is, what it really is is you set a new norm. Every time you get in the zone, you're, you're uh, creating, you know, a state of mind that um, is, is new and different and ups the ante so you can perform better and better. Wow, so it's like a moving target then. Yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, and that's a v- very good point because we always want consistency. We want things to be the same. You know, I hear it from the athletes all the time, and, and really that's not correct. We want to get consistently better, so we want that moving target. Oh, yeah. That, that mm-hmm. is fascinating to me. I, I really, uh, I'm, I'm super intrigued by this concept. So, so we know that we we've got to feel that little those those you know those little butterflies and then we have to focus it. Mm-hmm. How do we actually accomplish that? Um, if uh, if we select our cues or our thoughts, what the thoughts are going to be, you know, if you're giving a speech, it's the first two or three lines. You've got them down to a T. You know exactly where your focus is going. If you're teeing off in golf. You've already warmed up. You're ready. You know the where you want that shot to go. It's all in there. And so you create a lot of what we would call I know. I know what I, I'm doing. And if you that's focus. So there's what you're thinking about, the lines or the, the shot that you're going to hit. And then there's turning that dial. But a lot of people think you turn it down. But you don't. It's called focus, and you must turn it up. You just don't want tension in your body. So it's 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 really a mental exercise. Your 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 yes. body is relaxed, but mentally, you're really keying up, preparing yourself, getting ready to to hit it, whatever that is, and and make it happen. Correct. 
That's exactly right. And in our data, we always try to create stress in the lab. We've we've gotten pretty good at it. And <laughs> you know, we we can get people's heart rates pretty much to double. And oh, then wow. we can get, you know, their activation and their brain high. And what we found is if they're in let's say the zone, their brain is beautifully balanced. In other words, one part is not still overactive doing something or checking something or whatever. It's all clear as can be right before they go into that performance, and then they they can perform beautifully. They nail it. They so, nail it, yeah. So it sounds like there's just a lot of mental uh, calisthenics that you're doing here to get yourself. Is there a way that you can – is there some biofeedback that you can do? Is there a way that you can tell if you're in the zone without knowing it or train yeah. your brain to go to the zone without – I mean, what can you do there? Yes. Uh, well, we built a system. Um, it's called OptiTrain, and we also measure the brain with OptiBrain. But um, from the data from about 35 years or so, we um, we found that nice, beautifully balanced place we want to be right before you perform. And so we, we set up um, neurofeedback programs in our app. It's on the phone, and it's the OptiTrain. What your brainwave patterns will do is they'll run the volume of music. You can pick any song you like, and they'll also run a video game. Uh, and I'm sorry, not a video game, but a video. But you could put in your own video if you want. So when your brain gets in a state of balance, the music will be soft, and the video will run. If your brain is close, the music will be a little louder, and the video will be slow motion. And wow. if you're not in balance, the music's loud and the video stops. So you're creating so agitation. What happens? Yeah, that what happens is the brain gets the feedback from the phone, you know, based on where those brain patterns are, and and it's a muscle. So it, you're just training that muscle to go to this to have the skill of creating balance and it, it doesn't matter if the activity is low you're just sitting in your house or your office or if the activity is really high because you're about to you know walk into your presentation or start your performance as long as you can balance it our data shows you, you perform great now you're talking dr debbie about an app uh that, that goes on your phone mm -hmm. and it sounds like there might be some additional hardware involved. Is that true? Are there are there oh, sensors that you correct. hook up to your head? I, how, how, what does this look like? Yes, um, we use the Muse headset. Um, it's a it's called Choose Muse on the on the website, and, and it's a, a very good, uh, easy to use headset. And then we like to think we have easy to use apps, OptiBrain and OptiTrain. And so you could actually use this out in your performance. You could take it out on the golf course or the archery range or the basketball court and use it right there. And get yourself in the zone. Yep, that's right. Now, are these apps available in the App Store or on Google Play for, for Android? Is that how you access them? Um, yeah, we have them uh, um, through our website for the apps, which would be myoptibrain.com. And um, we can sell you the headset, or a lot of people have a Muse, or they can purchase it from Muse, and then just um, download the apps. Okay, and then you can 
as you said, you use it out on the, the field of competition or of performance, whatever that may be. Now, you have a saying that that goes following two tens with another ten. What does that mean? <laughs> so, you know, when we're out there performing, sometimes things go well and sometimes they don't. But um, we find a, a lot of the athletes, they have a harder time following a good performance, which for archery it would be two tens and then you still got to shoot that third arrow. <laughs> That's the hardest and, um, one, right? It is the hardest one. You know, if, if I don't do so good on the first two, you know, I focus a little more and get that third one in there. But when you shoot two tens, it's like, well, I want another one. Hmm. And so, you know, uh, some athletes might think, well, I'll just do what I just did. You know, I got two tens and I'll do it again and I might get my ten. Or they might think, oh, I got to relax, calm down, get myself ready. But we find it's the other direction, that you have to meet the demands of the task. I, I, I got those two in the 10 ring, and I want another one. That's um, more important. That's higher activation. And so you, if you meet the demands of the task, you're actually turning up your focus. Whatever you're doing, do it more and better, and you'll probably get that third 10. Now, do, does anybody ever stop in the middle of a competition I, and I know you can't do this in a basketball game perhaps but in a sport like archery does anybody ever go back to the app and say I got to recalibrate I got to refocus or do you just train yourself to do it and and be able to you know move forward they certainly can I think like in archery the only place you can't use it is on the line but you can certainly go back and sit down and and use it and it's quick it, it's easy. Uh, in fact, you can't do a lot of training with it because you'll wear out your brain. It, you'll get mental fatigue. So, you know, once you train yourself to create this pattern in your brain, after a while, you can use the song. If you use the same song all the time, it it gets um, associated with that place in your brain, that skill, and you put the song on and you'll go towards You've changed your brain, have you? So it'll just it'll just naturally yeah. do what it normally did with the song before. Yeah. Now, Dr. Yeah. Deb, we, we only have right. about one more minute, but I'm wondering if you can oh. share a quick um, example of someone that you've worked with that was really able to dial in and, and put this oh. practice to work. Uh, yes, that would be Brian Pfeiffer. And we did it. There was an ESPN documentary about him using mm. um, our system and uh, he was he's a PTSD golfer who suffered a lot from PTSD, started using our app while he was putting. He got so good at putting that he made it to the called the MSOP championships, putting championships in Las Vegas. ESPN came and did a documentary. <laughs> it, it's uh, on um, technology and sport, and our section is called Mind Gurus, and it goes through his story. But the the best part of the story is not just what it did for putting, but how it changed his life. Yeah. Wow. So tell us one more time the website where you can find these apps. The apps are at myoptibrain.com. All one word, optibrain.com. Yep. Wonderful. Yep. Myoptibrain.com. 
Debbie, thank you so much for joining us. That's all the time that we've got to visit with you. But uh, fascinating, fascinating field of study, and best of luck in your continued research. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity to share. Wonderful. Jeff. Yes. Registration is open Boy, for the Huntsman World Series. It hit open to the Big Bang, didn't it? <laughs> it did. We've been open for a little while now, and we have well over 2,000 participants yes. that have registered already. We're expecting about 11,000, so we're well on our way. Yes, we are. Especially after just a, uh, a couple of weeks of, of being open. Mm-hmm. Some of our sports do tend to fill up rather quickly, so don't delay. You want to hit SeniorGames.net and register today for the sport of your choice. We have over 35 sports to choose from, so there's something there for everyone. Just about, yep. The dates of the 2020 games are October 5th through the 17th. And come on out and be a part of this amazing event. It'll be fun. You won't be sorry. It's a ton of fun. If you have feedback for us about the show, please shoot us an email at activelife at seniorgames.net. Remember to tune in live next and every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. Mountain Time on AM 1450 or FM 93.1 for the Huntsman World Senior Games Active Life. We take this live show and we turn it into a podcast. And you can subscribe to that podcast anywhere that podcasts are found. If you're listening to the show by podcast, take a moment, give us a rating, write a quick review. You can also find this as well as previous shows right on our website. Once again, that is SeniorGames.net, so check that out. Our inspirational thought for the day, Jeff. I'm ready. Comes from the great basketball coach, John Wooden. Oh, yeah. He says, things work out best for those who make the best of how things work out. Boy, isn't that true? Until next Thursday, stay active. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone.